0: Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of narcissistic abuse. I'm Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Generally speaking, a narcissist is a person who has an excessive sense of how important they are. They demand and expect to be admired and praised by others and are limited in their capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. And guess what? Not all narcissists are made equal. Yes, that is true. Narcissism is a character trait that exists on a spectrum. A small amount of narcissism is healthy, and a person with an unhealthy level of narcissism may be called a narcissist. However, for the purposes of this podcast... A narcissist is a person who exhibits narcissistic traits and or a consistent pattern of maladaptive narcissistic behaviors. And now, with all that out of the way, let me tell you that we have a survivor on this episode named Alex, and we'll get to his interview in a couple of minutes. There's a lot of good tidbits in this interview, a woman and men that will resonate with his story. But first, I just want to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Our Facebook group is really hopping these days into all of you folks out there. I want to say a big hello because it has been rocking and rolling this week. I've been a little bit under the weather and I wasn't able to participate as much this week, but others were pretty active on there and a reminder as well. For people that have not left us a review yet on whatever podcast service you use Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Castbots, etc., etc., leave us a five star written review if possible. If you can't leave a written review, just leave us a five star review. It helps us out a lot with the rankings. Now, once again, I have to put a bit of a moratorium on our recordings because my vetting and recording call schedule is already booked to the end of November, as is. So the quickest way to be part of our show is if you want to read a letter to your narcissist and be a part of our Letters to our Narcissist compilation episode, we have a voicemail recorder on our website to record. Go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. It's on the right side of the page. It's always floating around there. It's hard to miss. There's a button that says Send Voicemail. Press it, and away you'll go. It records up to five minutes, so you can record once, twice, three times, as many times as you need. We're accumulating these letters to have a volume two of our letters to a narcissist episode, so send those voicemails in. And if you want me or Melissa, my old pal Melissa, to read one of your letters instead, just send it to NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. What else is going on? Our fundraiser for Layla is one quarter of the way funded. So thanks to everyone that supported that fundraiser so far. We still have a little bit of a ways to go. Layla was a guest on our July 22nd episode. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. Layla was married to a a police officer who used his power and standing in society to abuse her with no fear of repercussion. Layla's trauma is deep and she desperately needs trauma therapy. So... We are raising money to help her get trauma therapy for a year, asking the community to help us out. You can go to our website, NarcissistApocalypse.com, click on the fundraiser section, and let's help change Layla's life. As usual, I discuss what I've done socially this week. And guess what, everyone? I've been sick all week, so I've done nothing. For three days, I was pretty much fully horizontal on a couch. Not feeling the greatest. Right now, I'm about 90%, and I'll take it. And now, I'm just going to get out of my own way. Here is my interview with Alex, and I'll check back with everyone when it's all over. And with me on the line today, we have Alex. How are you, Alex? Good. Thanks. Thanks. All right, so I know a bunch of your story. We had a pre-call and everything, and now I am just going to get out of your way and give you the floor. So thank you once again for being here, and the floor is now yours.
1: All right, well, thanks, Chad. Um, well, uh, my story kind of starts about 15 years ago, really to, to the day was the fall of 2014. Or, I'm sorry, to 2004, I'm sorry. And uh, where uh, uh, I met my student to be uh, ex-wife, uh, we, we actually met, we were introduced by her sister who worked with me. And uh, my ex-wife at that time, uh, we'll call her Deb, um, was actually engaged when I first met her. And, uh, but... Um, her sister, uh, kind of involuntarily set us up. Uh, she had, uh, had us come and, uh, meet with a group of friends one, uh, one evening. Uh, and when I met her, it was, it was love at first sight. Um, and, and I, you know, I told her that a million times, but, uh, she came in. I, I remember what she was wearing. Just, she was just full of herself, but I was, I was totally hooked from the, the first, First day I met with her, um, everything we went well. We were with a group of friends, and uh, and uh, after that, um, you know, I tried pursued her, trying to get her number from her sister, and and she kind of played hard to get. And I kind of, I didn't have any problems meeting women, or you know, I was in my mid twenties at that time, and very social and things. So, but uh, um, I kind of gave up on that idea. But as uh, the holidays came. Closer because uh, that was in September, October. Um, we she moved up to the large, the big city that I'm currently living in, um, and uh, we she asked me out, which I jumped jumped on that very very easily. So long story short, we started um, dating, um, kind of officially in, on New years, and it was wonderful, very intense. Uh, we literally saw each other every day talked every day um, it was I mean it was just she was perfect uh, you know the very you know very cliche love you know the, the whole love bombing type situation but um, and it quickly got rocky very quickly um, again we started dating early, like around New Year's, that was kind of when we said we officially started dating. And I remember on Valentine's Day, she wrote me a card, and it basically said something along the lines of, "You know, like you're the love of my life. We, you know, you came to my in my world at the right time." And kind of referencing her getting out of a her a bad quote unquote bad relationship that her ex fiance was cheating on her. And now I question that, maybe that story, but, uh, but, uh, you know, that I was the love of her life and I was a gift from God. And, and at that time I felt like a million dollars. I, I, it, it was wonderful. She was everything that I could ever ask for beautiful, but yet tomboyish a little bit Liked football and camping and outdoors. And it was just everything that I was ever wanting. So <sighs> Now, mind you, so mid-February, everything was perfect, and literally, and a couple weeks went by, and she just ghosted me, and I was heartbroken. I just didn't understand. It was so intense relationship in a short period of time, uh, but I was hook, line, and sinker. But uh, I, she literally just, you know, we didn't use that word ghosting back then, but she literally just disappeared. Now I still worked with her sister, and so I would basically, you know, hang out around their house. We were all friends and things like that. And I, I basically got her cornered, and I said, you know, it was just I didn't understand what was going on because literally two weeks before that I was, I was a gift from God, you know. So I, I just didn't understand. And she basically said, "Well, you just you just need to mature. I, you know, we're just not compatible." And I, again, I was heartbroken. I, I just how things went from a, a hundred to zero so quickly. I just didn't get it from that standpoint. So um, I backed off and still pursued her a, a little bit, and uh, we then. Um, Got back together, and I don't know how we did. I I just don't remember why we started dating again. Like, she gave me a second chance or or something, because nothing happened. There was no – we didn't argue or fight. It literally was, you know, she just kind of tossed me. And from then on, that's where a lot of the devaluation started happening. Um, Just – and it was was subtle – but as we progressed in our relationship, our, our dating relationship, um, that's when she would just make wisecracks or things to my family. And I remember my sister that summer, she was really concerned because she was charming, and, but it was like she was never impressed by me for some reason. And I, I, my sister warned me. She said, "I just, she just doesn't appreciate who you are, you, you know. You're genuine, and I, it just, this isn't something's not right, you know, with, with this whole situation." So as we uh, progress, progress on, we broke up again that summer. Um, for I don't even know what reason. It, it was just on and off, on and off. But again, I was in absolute love with this person. And I, uh, I mean, I chased her from the first day we met. And that continued on through our whole marriage and our relationship. That kind of set the tone. Um, but we broke up for like a month and we got back together. And I think the first major red flag for me was, um, I, I just questioned, like, I just didn't understand why it was so difficult. Like, why is this relationship so difficult? Like, I love you and uh I just didn't understand now just a slight backstory um she had a really rough childhood okay and um, she literally moved and this is confirmed this is not a lie this is coming from her family and things her parents were divorced they moved 15 to 20 times in her life um her mom literally abandoned her when she's a teen her dad moved over to another family and kind of had his own family and this left her her sisters. She has two other sisters just to kind of fend for themselves. And that also kind of plays into it about getting, giving her a get out of jail free card for bad behavior because she had a quote unquote bad childhood. And, um, but someone who is a fixer and, you know, thought I could fix her and things. I, I just gave her the benefit of the doubt, and, you know, that was maybe the reason why we had such a hard time having a stable relationship. Um, It's because anything, anytime something was going well, it was sabotage. It was like just, it was almost like she couldn't have stability and love and peace in her life. It just always had to be promoted. Um, there's always had, there's always drama of of some sort, even though if you ask her, she would say, I hate drama, but it was just, but it was the complete opposite of that. It was just, you could never have peace. And that went on through our whole entire marriage. Uh, as we progressed in our relationship, you know, I just, I didn't understand why our relationship was so hard. I mean, we, you know, you're just, you know, you're mid twenties having a great time, I, you know, I, I love this person. Why, why is it just so difficult? And, uh, going back to, you know, her, her childhood, I wrote off a lot of this, the, the, just the negative bad behavior, I guess. Um, nothing too crazy yet, but off of just, she wouldn't, she just wasn't able to have a stable relationship because she just was, just not emotionally developed in that area of her life, you know, and and, and that from that standpoint. So, and, and I, the, kind of a, you know, a red flag, I think another one, there's many, but was, when I asked her that question, she said, listen, I'm not going to commit to you unless we're getting married. And I said, well, what, that's such ass backwards to me. Like, don't you date, commit to each other. And if that works, you get engaged. And then if that works, you get married. And that how it's supposed to work. Now I was never married before then, but, and, and I said, well, that makes sense. Like you don't value relationships with people unless they're in it for the long haul. So I, I kind of, even though it didn't make sense to me, I guess I kind of understood because of her lack of um, her lack of investment in people. Cause she moved all the time. She couldn't have established relationships with people. And, uh, so that got me thinking, and I said, you know, I, I want to marry you. Like, I love you. I, I want to marry you, you know, and, uh, so we got engaged, started to plan our wedding. Um, I, you know, I, we, I wanted a, a normal white wedding, nothing too elaborate, but, uh, uh, you know, we went to our parents. Our parents were kind of concerned because this wasn't a typical stable type relationship and they, you know, they weren't really going to help us out financially. So, you know, she, uh, she said, well, let's just elope. If they're not going to help us, let's elope. And I was like, are you sure about this? You know, uh, most women want a a white wedding and the picket fence. And she's like, no, no, let's just go to the, the, you know, justice of the peace to get married. Now, no, none of my, no one in my family has ever done that. And my family was, Mad, to say the least, because she did not want anyone to come, and I just what that I just didn't understand, like why can't have her, our parents be there? I did what? What's the big? And she said, nope, I don't want them there. I don't want them to look at us. Uh, it's embarrassing. It, it was just weird. I guess if that's the right word, but you want to make your wife happy, and and if you're they're cool with it, you're cool with it, right? I, I was. You know, just easygoing about it. So we got married uh, within a couple months from getting engaged. Um, My family was really questionable about, is this a good decision? Like, you guys haven't been stable, like, emotionally in a relationship. You just ran off and got married. This isn't typical for our family. It just wasn't... I guess well traditional or typical. So we did. We got married. Uh, and we did have a reception so all of our family could come together. And uh, and then you know I, I was on cloud nine, happiest one of the happiest days of my life. Just I it was the first time in my life in which someone wanted to you know have a long you know be invested in me as a person. You know it's our stuff now, and that fairy tale was so important to me, um, to have a family, um, because my parents were divorced and they had their own things going on. And I think that, that hole that I was missing, uh, was getting filled by this illusion and this, this relationship. And I didn't want to give it up at all cost. Uh, hence why my, my boundaries, uh Slowly were easily eroded um, because I just didn't want to give up on that facade of this perfect, happy little family. Um, So we get married uh, rather quickly in the scheme of things within a year we met, so you know, which is kind of quick compared to to most people that I know. Uh, We get married and we get pregnant with our first daughter really soon. Like within a couple months of our, uh, us getting married. Um, that's, during that time, that once we got married, the, the, um, uh, what, what am I, the, the devaluation and all that kind of stuff started heavier. Um, you know, I was fat. I was, um, I just didn't make enough money. I, that's where, Things started, and it was just, you know, and in, in front of my family and things it would be a joke, but it, it wasn't funny I guess, and I would I would laugh it off um, Now, I, I'm not, I'm no Johnny Bravo, I mean I'm 5'7", five, 5'8", five, 180 to 190 pounds, so I, I'm not skinny, um, but I'm not obese either, but um, I didn't, uh, I just wasn't You know, I I was always compared to guys on TV and people with six packs and things like that. And it just, it quickly wore me down. And um, so we, um, but nothing crazy yet. Just kind of side jabs and things throughout the first year or two of our marriage. After our second daughter was born, so this is about year three into our marriage, things got weird. Um, I would wake up in the middle of the night and she would be gone. It could be a Wednesday evening or Wednesday night. I mean, just random. And I would call her cell phone and be like, where are you? What, where the heck are you at? And she would come home. And again, this would be like at three or four in the morning. And she said, I was at Walmart. And I'm like, who goes to Walmart? And now, mind you, she's like 5'2", 100 pounds. Who goes to Walmart at 4 in the morning for hours? Like, that doesn't make sense. And and she would say, you know, I just need to go and get away from you guys and blow off some steam and you're being controlling. And, you know, and you're like, well, I, you know, being a stay-at-home mom is hard. And she was in school. I get it. I I totally... Understand you need to blow off steam and things, but going to Walmart, walking around for two or three hours, that's, that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, to anybody, I would think. I'm not sure. But that's what she said she would do. And uh, so what do you do? Well, you take your wife's word for it, even though you don't like it and you care about her safety. Um, you know, and I even said, well, why don't you go when I get home from work? Why don't you go to Walmart at Seven at night instead of three in the morning, so that would happen on occasion, and you get accustomed to it because it just becomes like, well, that's she's that's just what she does. Even though people thought it was weird, like that's not normal. Did like, you, what are you? Did,
0: did you mention that? You just, start mentioning this stuff to other people, like this type of behavior.
1: Yeah, and what, I did. What did, I did say? Yeah, like like my my brothers, and they would say like they thought, everyone thought it was odd for sure. You know, like that's why, why would she do that? Like, that's dangerous. Like, you know, there's people who get human trafficked. you know, doing that kind of stuff in the middle of the night and, and things. And it's just, well, that's what she does. And you can't tell her to do anything. You can't tell her, no, you can't do that because if you do, there's hell to pay. And she's not, she doesn't, she would just do it anyhow. There's, she just didn't care, you know? So, and you knew it. You, you knew that if you told her no, she's going to do it anyhow, and then you are codependent on her and, the, and that relationship that, oh, my gosh, what, what would – what would happen if she leaves me cuz she would basically say if you don't like it leave
0: so so that's she what I was, was going to ask that's, that's what I was going to ask you i was going to say yes. was there always this threat above you that if you ever put up a stink about anything it was over absolutely so once that absolutely
1: so, yeah so once yes. that absolutely. was
0: put into place at this point now going forward You are too scared to say anything because you don't want this to end. You have been love-bombed. Right now you are letting everything slide. I'm kind of shocked that no one in your family said she's cheating on you. Um as part of the thing. And you know, you, you know, your weakness, if there's a biggest weakness isn't technically her. And I think in my, in my opinion, it's probably, you have a family. Now you are a family man. You love the family unit and everything it stands for. And that is what you want to protect at all costs because you believe in this thing that you never had. And now this person has you hook, line and sinker and she's the one that can steal it all away.
1: Absolutely, you hit the nail on the head. Okay, I would I would jump off the uh, Empire State Building to keep my family together, and I did. I, I emotionally did as as we progress in the story. Um, so so that that was that was another red flag. I, I just didn't make sense. You know, this is like something that John Wayne Gacy, that serial killer, would do, or Ted Bundy. Like he's just leaving in the middle of the night. And that's what I was feeling like, like the, 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 the poor wife that the husband just leaves in the middle of the night and, and then gives her some bullshit story. And that's how I was feeling. But I had no proof, and I wasn't going to divorce my wife because I just had a hunch, if that makes sense. Like, the story doesn't make sense. I'm not going to give up everything, you know, like you mentioned, because this doesn't make sense. I'm not divorcing my wife for that. Or leaving her, or however you want to look at it. Um, so we fast forward a little bit. A few months later, uh, another huge, huge red flag. And this, I think, this would probably do most people in. But I, I didn't learn my lesson, I guess. But um, uh, my our daughter's fourth birthday party. We had a birthday party. All of our families together uh, at our home. We are. Uh, having a, a birthday party, we set up in the garage, uh, some tables because we had, you know, just an overflow of people. So everyone's inside, you know, celebrating the birthday and, uh, uh, Deb was out in the garage c- cleaning up and I went out to help her. And as, as I was approaching the, the, the interior garage door, you know, walking towards the garage, I hear my wife and another woman yelling, dropping F-bombs and cussing. And all I heard was, stay away from my husband. And this didn't come from my wife. This came from this other woman. And now the other woman was about our age at at that time. So you're, you're talking maybe 30 years old or so and I walked out and I said I was like what the hell is going on? this is a 4-year-old's birthday party. It, we're not like that. I I my family's not. This is something you'd see on Jerry Springer or something. I it just it's not and it's just it, it just doesn't make sense. Like that's just not who we are as, as people. So I asked her who was that? What the hell is going on out here? And I'll luckily no one inside our family heard anything that I know of that they were ever it was ever brought up and she said "Oh, that lady was lost and she was being mouthy and I you know told her off and I was like "Uh, you know mighty we're in the middle of a birthday party so you gotta you gotta have to park this whole argument or you know to a later time Mm -hmm. uh, obviously it it wasn't an appropriate time to start uh, interrogating your wife so, um, I knew it was bullshit though. I, my, my gut was like, that's not what that woman said. This is bullshit. What's going on? So, um, so we obviously, they had the party, uh, everyone left. I, I didn't say anything that night. Um, at that time I was running the ex, you know, I was doing a lot of running because again, I was very self-conscious. Uh, I, because my wife thought I was fat, um, so I was, you know, always trying to exercise and run, and you know, which isn't a bad thing. I give her that credit, but it was for the wrong reasons. And as I was running through the neighborhood, I found that lady's car and where she lived, because um, I remember what the car looked like that was parked out front of her front of her driveway. So the next day, I came home from work. And I went directly to the, this person's home, knocked on the door, and a, and a woman came to the door. And I introduced myself, and I said, "I, I think there's, we, you know, uh, there's an issue between you and my wife." And I heard you say something. Are you think that your husband and my wife's having an affair or something? And mind you, like I'm, <laughs> I'm choked up. I'm like, I'm half like. I barely can get the words out because it was just mind blowing to me that I'm having this conversation. Like it didn't seem real to me that I was having this conversation with some woman down the street. And sure enough, her husband coincidentally was in college in the same classes as my wife was. That's how they knew each other. And he was, um, so that was the connection. They knew each other, and when my wife would go out with their friends, he was in, he was part of this group. Now, I didn't know that until later. So she said, yes, I saw texts. I, th- this is inappropriate. Um, and I said, you know, like, do you, do you have, like, evidence or something? And, and she said, you know, they, they're always talking, texting, and yes, I think they're cheating on each other. So... I went to my wife and I said, "What was that? What was the deal with the lady?" Now I'm armed, mm-hmm. you know, with the knowledge. So I feel more confident at this point. So I go to the, I go to Deb, my wife, and I say, "Hey, what was that lady? What was it? What's what's going on? What's the story?" And she just looks right at me and say, "I nothing. I I don't know what the problem is." I said, "I know exactly what the issue is. Tell me what's going on." And she would just look dead in your eye and just say, I had no idea what you're talking about. What, what do you think happened? What, you know, always kind of deflect and ask me questions. Like, she's trying to figure out what I know. And I asked her probably five times, and I said, enough of the bullshit. This is, this is who this person is. I know you, you know, and I basically just had to lay it all out. And she said, oh, well, that lady's just crazy. We, there's nothing going on. He's just a classmate. But I was like, you know, if that was the case, why would you lie to me five times in a row? Why did I literally have to ask you five times before you did to tell me that? So I was always the type that, you know, if there's nothing to hide, there's nothing to hide. If there's nothing on my cell phone that I don't care if anyone wants to look at, that I don't put a password on my cell phone. Like it's here. You can look at it at any time. And, um, so I basically called the lady's husband, and I said, don't t- ever talk to my wife again. Your wife, you know, I don't know what's going on. Don't talk to her. Leave her alone. Your wife's on you like white on rice, you know, and, and I, for the sake of your marriage and mine, don't ever talk to her again. And he agreed, and I think that ended it. I think that kind of ended it uh, because – you know, a scorned wife, you know, I might have been an idiot, but she wasn't. She was on him, you know. And if there was anything that came up, she would have came and probably told me from that standpoint. So so that that was the situation. So it gets worse. Um, about three or four months later, uh, again, I swept it under the rug, my emotional rug. Uh, I, I basically just, just let it go. I don't – it just – it never got brought up again for obvious reasons. Um, I just You're didn't pre- want to believe. You're protecting your family. Pre- yes, absolutely. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I never I never told anyone about it. Um, you know, I just swept it under the rug and just said, okay, it never really happened. Life goes on. We just... You know, we just go back to did, did you, life's normal. Did
0: you feel embarrassed about it at the time, or did you feel embarrassed or shame about this kind of stuff later?
1: Um, I think. Well, I what it was is, is protection. I was protecting her. Uh, you know, when you if you go to your parents and tell them that story, they're going to say, "Oh gosh, she's cheating on you. She's trash." And I don't want I don't want someone to feel that about my wife, you know, because I, you know, like we were a team, you know, we're a, a team. And, and if, and if, you know, if she's not a good person, then, then our family's not a good person. I, I think I just look at it as, as we're one, you know, two people within one or, or what have you. I don't know. That's cliche, but it was, it was actually protection. I'm protecting her, you know, from other, other people's judgment. Yeah. Um, uh, three, or four months go by and everything, everything goes back to normal. Like nothing happened. I, uh, I get a call. This is what it gets just outrageous basically, but I get a call from her sister, her younger sister, not the one I worked with, but a younger sister who is 10 years younger than me. So she was pretty young at this time, early twenties. And, uh, I was 30 at, the, at, at that time, but she's upset, crying. And I was like, what the heck's going on? Now, we're all very close, um, because, uh, her younger sister actually lived with us for a, a while because her mom, uh, basically abandoned them. So we, we took her in. And so I was very close, close to her. So she's crying and saying that my wife had sex with her boyfriend and that is something Oof. you that is a, a conversation that you never think you're going to have with your sister-in-law like that is that is again like i said that is something you would see on jerry springer I was About to say, that is that, not
0: that's jerry that's springer. crazy it's jerry springer stuff there What's you
1: that? go and th- and again like this is I'm thinking, like, this, is, this isn't this what... This isn't conversations. It's almost like it's an outer-body experience. Like, my, my relation... Like, there's just... Like, I think you detach from it. It's so stupid that to cope with it, you detach yourself from reality to cope with how crazy some of this stuff is, and, and that way you don't have to acknowledge the truth. You, you know, you're not acknowledging... Reality and it's just easier to, you know, to to do it that way. That was just, I think, the numbness of it all. So I I'm petrified at this point because now there's something, there's a weird trend going on. Uh, you know, you, you almost can't ignore it at this point. Well, which I thought. So um, I contacted her dad uh, because. Now, you've got two sisters that are in odds with each other, and I told her what was go- I told him what, what she was saying, and, um, and I said, you know, I, I'm literally at the end of my ropes. Uh, and I don't know if this is true or not, but this is just, this is not what I'm brought up as, or, you know, this just isn't, I'm not used to something like this. This isn't, I'm not sure how to handle this if I can, emotionally and mentally. So he said, well, you know, and and he said, you know, I was concerned that, you know, she has been cheating on you. And and I have a lot of respect for her father. I love him very, very much. Even up to today, we have an excellent relationship. He knows, he just doesn't acknowledge it, uh, uh, acknowledge the dysfunction because he's just afraid that, You will lose that relationship because they, you know, they'll cut them off mentally. And that's a whole different story. But, um, so I, you know, I, so I started digging and this time I wasn't going to let it go because this is just now it's affected multiple people, the family and really, uh, and I know we can cuss on here on the, on the show. It's fucked up. Okay. This is, this is not, this is not normal behavior. So, how I asked her, you know what what happened, and and she said, I, you know, I don't know. He told me, I think he was just saying it to be mean. But uh, was it was it MySpace? Is that what it was years ago? It was kind of after that was like the pre Facebook. But he put it on MySpace. I think it was called MySpace.
0: In MySpace. He
1: put it. Okay, he put it on his MySpace. I don't remember what they were, what it was, board or what have you. That he did that, he he publicly put that on there, and that he did that. Now I'm trying to rationalize, like, okay, maybe he's just doing it to be mean. Maybe he's crazy, and he's putting it on there to just to hurt my sister-in-law, and you know, just who knows? Because I didn't know this guy at all. I've, ne- we've, I've never met him. My wife that I knew never met him. So, you know, this can't be true. There's just, we've never even seen this person before. So I obviously confront her again and ask her, like, what the hell's going on? And she basically, after some prodding, uh, basically said, well, one night, you know, when we, we went out, I went back to his house with another girl and we've in a hot tub and hung out and, you know, late at night after the bar closed. And that alone was enough for me to really want to just throw in the towel. But again, I, I guess it wasn't enough for me to just blow up my family over because I didn't do it. And I was like, what mother of, we had two kids at the time, What mother of two kids would go back to your sister's boyfriend's house and get in a hot tub with him at four in the morning. And you didn't happen to like call your sister or let your sister know you did that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like I wouldn't, if I did that to my brother's girlfriend, I would like text him or call him and say, Hey, I'm over at your, whatever's house once you join us or but that didn't happen so I, it just didn't make sense at all uh, and the fact that you were in a hot tub at 4 in the morning to me was cheating anyhow because I'm home with the kids you're out partying and I and I would never in my life put myself in that kind of a situation I wouldn't even think about doing something like that so and you know what somehow she just smoothed it, smooth it over, and I don't. I just slept it under the proverbial emotional rug. I don't know how. I don't. I don't remember what was said, but I just literally said, "Okay, well, as long as they, you know, I, I guess I'd, I, I, you know, you just kind of take your word for it, and you just move on, you know, and, and just not be at that time. I just wasn't being real with my. With my situation, so, yeah. So, and, at, th- uh, at
0: this time, are you a zombie of sorts? You're, you've you suppressed all of your feelings. You've pushed everything down. Maybe, um, yeah, very, you know, deep, very you're, deep. Yeah, you're, you, you know, you're you're detached from situations and uh, all of this, you say you're having like an outer body experience, like you're watching it all. Did you feel absolutely, like you were, yeah. you know, that this is all some sort of bad movie?
1: Yes, I, I did. Um, now, it, it got that feeling uh, was it absolutely that feeling happened later uh, in the story, but it was almost like I was very good. That's just how I coped uh, as I grew up I didn't have anyone that was emotionally there for me my parents were there they were divorced but uh, I didn't have anyone there emotionally for me um, because you know they were preoccupied with other things and they were divorced and so the way you handle things you handled it like a man you just bottled it up and you just kind of go on on your day and you didn't have anyone to come home and really cry to so I, I was pretty good at just pushing stuff down and just, and again, the fact that obviously wasn't the pain that I felt talking and being faced with just quote unquote fucked up stuff. Right. That um, was, was not enough for me to do something about the thought of, the thought of leaving or blowing up my family was more painful than what I was going through. And that's how I was like measuring. And I would rather deal with this pain because the, the pain that I'll experience being divorced and, you know, not having a, a, a marriage, uh, that, seems to me more painful. So I didn't take any action at all. Okay. And, um, fair and, uh, Yes, so that that's that's how I would that's how I would weigh it out. Not more subconsciously, I think it just you know it wasn't. uh, I just that's how I measured measured my emotional life. I I think from that standpoint. So, um, and that so that really put a rift in the family. But her family, they never really talked about anything or ever count. Ever kept anyone accountable. They just kind of did their own thing, and, and it was kind of swept under the rug as well with them, and life goes on. Now, it was funny because last, over the holidays, this that story was brought up again by my young sister-in-law. Now, even though she's married for four or five years now to a wonderful guy, and they have a little baby now, but she brought that up again. So I... Honestly, that obviously hit very close to home, and I don't think she fully believes that you know her sister's side of that story, and uh, you know from that standpoint. But uh, so we fast forward a couple more years, I, I you know three three years maybe go by, and um, during you know during that time it was. It was really very much the same, just, uh, you know, just you never felt like you were good enough. And I remember during that time she said, you know, like, you know, my friends can't believe I, I married someone that looks like you. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? You know, like, yeah, you know, they were just surprised that I married someone that looked like you, like like insinuating I was ugly or something, I'm like, "What the hell? you know and very super very superficial, you know and 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 then like would throw at my face that i I just wasn't attractive enough anymore and and when you get when you do that over years, and I was super confident when we first met, you know, but it does it really just shapes, slowly sands you down. Not overnight, but it just slowly erodes you down. And and then, you know, you get to a point where that, like, it was almost, it was a joke that she was so beautiful and I was so ugly. And you felt that, you know, you you felt like, oh, I'm so lucky to have just a tiny piece of this woman's life. And I'll do whatever I can just to get that crumb. Uh, because I, I'm just not worthy enough. And it absolutely worked. It absolutely did uh, for me. And uh, so uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, we got to, uh, our, I don't know, uh, three years later, I think. Um, had her, One of her birthdays, she comes to my office. At that time, we started a, a company together. Um, we were partners, uh, and a, and uh, in a, in a real estate company together. And, uh, and she came to the office and said, Hey, now mind you, she's still in school again. She's been in school for years and everyone she hangs out with are like 20, 21 year olds. So we're in our thirties and she hangs out with like people that can't even drink. And it just was weird. It was just like, that's where her emotional brain was. Was like was like a like a twenty a twenty year old, you know if that makes sense. And that's uh, you know I think that's why it got progressively worse as as you grow older emotionally. This person's still a teenager. If that makes sense, yeah. and it and I, it might be just the trauma that was in their life, but um but that's just that was just the reality of it, and uh, so she. During that time, like, she's hanging out with 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, you know, we're 30s, and, like, with kids. We had three kids at that time, and it was just weird. Like, I don't have anything in common with a 21-year-old at all, you know. Uh, But that's just who she hung out with, these college friends, these college people. So she did approach me after one of her birthdays the day after, and she said, I want to get divorced. I wasn't surprised. I really wasn't. I was really unhappy. And, um, and, and, you know, and now, and as we kind of progressed through the summer, that, that happened, it all happened in January. And we got to the summer, I was feeling much more confident. Now, mind you, we're, we're still playing house, but she's allowed to do whatever she wants. And I, you know, I was standing there with my, uh, you know, you know, doing nothing, just allowing her to do whatever, and let you know, just absolutely not taking control of my life, basically, just just absolutely felt like I had no control. But as I went through therapy, it helped me get my confidence back. You know, so so basically, I remember one night it was this early summer. I basically said, "Listen, like I'm I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm not putting myself in a situation anymore. It's not healthy." It's not good for our kids because I I wasn't a good father. You just don't have the emotional energy to take care of the kids, and uh, I uh, and when I did that, she raged. She called me every name. Like, I mean, even I remember she called me "You're a fucking horrible father," which that's the lowest blow you can say to a man. A bad father, but. Um, but it, it was what was happening was I was ruining her plan, her her methodical big grand scheme. Like I need to use you for finances, not emotional love. It was just the finances, and now you're jeopardizing my plan, you know. And um, and ever once I did that, things changed, and I can't explain. And I think what it was is I don't know if it was she gain more respect for me at that time, or she decided that maybe this isn't worth it. I had my fun, you know, maybe I need to get my shit back together again because he's on his way out. And, uh, you know, I I always do that love bomb, but you know, and all of a sudden, like things change quickly, like, uh Oh, he's leaving. I better like get my shit back together and get this relationship on track because you know my the big grand scheme of things is falling apart yeah so I, I questioned you know I kind of questioned her motives now at that time but uh, so we so I did move out I stayed there and you know because it quickly got better and I thought because she disrespected respected me now and she realized what she was losing and uh, and things just got better that's what I was thinking, and maybe hoping um, from that standpoint. Um, so, and I remember it was, it was just, again, it was just it was old, very much controlling, even in our finances, you know, but I remember that fall I was like, I was doing something. Oh, I, I think I went to work and when I came home, my bed that I bought myself because I didn't want to sleep on the couch anymore, right? Um, was was taken from our spare bedroom and put into our master bedroom. And I was like, what the hell? You know. Now mind you, in my in inside I was so happy because I was like, Oh, oh great, now we're gonna sleep together again, you know, in the same in the same bedroom. But then I was like, wait a minute, why did she get to dictate our relationship. Um, It was almost like it was a symbol. Like she said, it was basically like her saying, okay, you're worthy enough. We're going to start sleeping in the same bed now. And she decided that there was no conversation. And when I came home, I said, why is my bed in here? And she said, oh, you can start sleeping in, in, in the same room as me now. That was it. And then I was kind of sitting there, and she takes my wedding ring that she had and put it on my finger like she was marrying me again. Never said anything. It was just like, you're, you're worthy enough now to be uh, my husband again. And now, again, I was very happy and excited this was, go- this was happening, but it was dysfunctional, and I knew, like, this is not right. This is kind of fucked up. Like, this control is just off. It's just off. And um thought I was happy because, oh, now my family's back again, right? I got my ring on. That's a symbol of love. And, and now we're going to be a family again. You know, we got over the seven, eight, nine, ten 10-inch, or whatever you call that itch, you know, in your, in your marriage. Mm-hmm. And this is going to work. Then we, the clock did 2019. And it was almost like... Something mentally, or again, when I went back to like the pathological, or or something like that, it was almost like, oh, you know, oh, we're in 2019. I'm flipping the switch, and I got to go this direction now. And there was no, um, there was no transition. There wasn't any arguing. There wasn't any fighting. There wasn't any issues that came up. It was literally the first week after New Year's. Um, she came to me and said, Hey, you know, I got to work on myself this year. Uh, I'm just, um, you know, I just need to, um, you know, worry about, you know, having a social life and, uh, uh you know, I want to, you know, I just want to educate myself more and, uh, I just, I'm just not going to be able to be, uh, put our marriage first or something along that lines, and I was like what what the hell are you talking about like wh- what do you mean like what are you talking about like put our marriage for free- what what what's going on here like literally you're coming off a high of just everything was wonderful and and you know all my family and we all was just so happy, and I said, Are you wanting to get divorced because um if, uh, a few years before that, that's what happened. It was like right after New Year's. It was almost like a New Year's resolution. And I was thinking in my mind, oh, shit, here we go again. This is some sort of like um, New Year's resolution. Uh, I, I, you know, my life and uh, I just, uh, this isn't going to work out now. Or something like That's what I was, you know, my insecurities were. Now, if that was fair or not, I, I'm not sure. So I said, well, what, what do you need? Like, I'm here to support you, like a husband would do. What do you need? And she's like, well, I, you know, maybe I want to go back to school again. You know, I'm like, well, that's okay, but what do you want to do? And, you know, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm just trying to help her and support her in any way. So, um So then she literally, I mean, just a week after New Year's, again, everything was really, really good probably the best in our marriage when it comes to, like, that stretch. Um, she just said, well, I'm just going to go to the office and work more and just, you know, whatever. So at that time, she said, you know, she needed to go and, you know, spend more time with her friends and socialize, which that concerned me when she was saying that because that's, That's like, she could anyhow. I never kept her from that, but, you know, that's what was, that was kind of her path though. And that made me really concerned. Um, So what, like literally just a week after New Year's, she started going to the office two or three times a week um, and then going out with her friends as well. So literally three to five times a week, she was not home at night. Uh, I would stay home, take care of the kids, get them to bed, get them to school, what have you. And.
0: Just to clarify I, for one second, she is working with oh, you at your office. You have a business together, so it's her, mor- it's yes, normal she right. can go to the office. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was totally fine. That was okay. But, like, it, she wanted to work more for whatever reason. You know, not because you needed to or she had anything to do. It was just. As I found out, it was just an excuse. It was just a, it was an excuse to leave the house, and uh, so, um, but for her to go to the office in the evening time, that was okay. That was normal uh, within reason, you know. But but that might be like once every week or two. But this was like two or three times a week, and then the other days, I'm going out with my friends, and the literally it went from hi, I'm in my 40s with four kids and you're kind of acting like a 20 year old again, what the hell is going on? Like, I thought we were kind of over this. Like when you're getting your four, as you know, right. When you're just kind of like, you're kind of over going out and partying all the time. Like what, what happened? You know, it's almost like a switch flipped. So, so that progressed through January. And I was like, well, and I'm getting concerned. Because I'm, I'm just going off a of past experience and I was, uh, just, I was getting concerned and obviously the things she was saying, I am just not, you know, I'm just not gonna, I'm not focusing on our marriage right now, you know, and, and, uh, and our family, that's what she would say. And, and I'm like, what does that mean? Why wouldn't you like, well, you can do both, you know, I'm here to support you. And, um, uh, and that that went over that went through January, and, and as I was getting frustrated, I would just say, "Well, now wait a minute, you know, wait a minute, Alex. Like uh, we had a wonderful holidays. Like don't freak out. You're being you know you're being a little uh, um, you're not being confident. Give her space, you know what have you? You know don't like I you know I. It was just, I think, triggers. Uh, you know, it was making me self conscious with this whole thing. You know, because again, marriage, my wife, and the kids are everything. So anything that might jeopardize it, I'm going to fight, you know, because that's, that's what's important to me. So um, January went here and by, and February, same behavior. Um, we take a family trip, uh, all of our family gets together and we meet. Um, for a hotel for the weekend, and we have uh, there we there 's an indoor pool and we, all the young you know the grandkids they play, and you know we have a weekend of it a couple uh, three or four days before we were leaving on the our trip uh Deb said i 'm not going and I was like what are you talking about we We, we leave in you know three or four days what do you mean why aren 't you going and uh well, your sister-in-laws hate me, and I'm not going to go out there and put myself in that kind of situation because they hate me. And I'm like, listen, then just hang out with me. And she got along with my brothers pretty well. I'm like, just hang out with us. It's like, I don't want to go out there without you. It's a family thing, right? It's, uh, you know, we getting away together as a family. No, no, they you know, I'm not doing it. You can't make me. I'm not going. So, uh, I call my family and tell them what's going on, you know, that she's not coming and why. And boy, that really put a riff in my family. What is she talking about? Like, uh that that's not fair. Like, you know, we we have been getting along very well, like and my brother, I remember on the phone said, This isn't right, something's up, Alex. <laughs> you 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 gotta there's, this isn't. This is not true. Like she's feeding you a lot of shit. You need to figure out what's going on because this doesn't make sense. And I was like, No, 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 no. They don't like her. I know they don't. Uh, this is, you know, that's true. They don't like her. And I, you know, if she doesn't want to, and I was defending. I was defending her. Because that's my job, you know, as a husband. You defend your wife, you know, your spouse. And he's just like, listen, this doesn't make sense, you know. And I was like, well, this is a reality. You know, maybe we just can't do this trip anymore. I'm going to have to go by myself with the kids or something. And he's like, okay, whatever. So we leave. We leave and go on the trip, just me, and I take all the kids with me. We have four kids at this time. I think I forgot the fourth. Mm. thrown in there over those years. So I take all the kids by myself. and We drive all the way out to the the, the resort thing, and we ha- have a good weekend. And but I just knew something's not right. You, you just you know all the red. your. Uh, I think the biggest advice I can give men or women, and I don't care what religion you you believe in or uh, what have you, but your intuition, your gut intuition, you have to follow that, and mine was suppressed for so long because I was just manipulated and in, in thought that I was crazy, you know, the, the gaslighting and, and things, and I really didn't follow my gut, my intuition, even though they told me, you know, uh, that things were wrong, I just ignored it, so if your gut's telling you something, just get the hell out of there, I think that's probably the, one of the, the biggest advice that I, can, I can give, so... So when I get home uh, from the trip, a couple days went by, and I I started getting crazy. To be fair, um, I, I, my intuition was screaming. I mean, there was fireworks and everything else flying out of my gut. You know, I couldn't flares, SLS. I mean, I couldn't ignore it anymore. Um, you know, like there's something not right. This doesn't make sense. People you know, don't do this. So I started like snooping around, not proud, but I did. I, I, I just, there, I, there's just something I was missing. Your gut, and, your, um, gut,
0: your gut told you something. And at this point, oh, I think, you know, based upon the history here, as far as trust yeah. goes, you had all the right in the world to do whatever you're about to
1: say. I don't, did. yeah, I don't, I don't feel, I mean, I, I think I didn't say I feel embarrassed about it, but I don't, um, I don't, what word do I want to say? I, I'm glad I did, I guess, you know, from that standpoint. But as I looked, as I started stooping around, I went into her closet, and I found some things that were sexual-related, okay, and some of it was that were geared towards men. And that those items were not something that I used, okay? Mm-hmm. And I knew... Like, oh, shit, I was in trouble. Like, something's going on. So I call her, and she comes home, and I I meet her outside because the kids – I couldn't hold it in. I couldn't bottle it up anymore. The kids were inside. I sat in her car, and I said, listen, we're all grown adults, okay? Um, you know, are like, are you cheating on me? You know, and I said, listen, just – tell me straight, we can, you know, we can do this peacefully, you know, if you just don't want to be married anymore, we can work it out, you know, just, just tell, just be straight with me, and it was like, and, and, you know, kind of going forward, she made me feel horrible to ask that question. How dare you? How dare you think that I would do something like that to you? Like, who would ever go to their wife and ask them that, How, you know, like, what kind of a horrible husband are you? And you felt horrible having that conversation with your wife. And I believed it. I, I was like, my God, yeah, why, God, why would I, you know, like, even though I have evidence, like, it's pretty obvious evidence here. Like, you know, and I'm like, well, what is that? And she was like, oh, that was for you. you. And I was like, but they were you, and, and like I don't know how. I, I was so weak. I, I was just such a weak person. Uh, I thought I was much stronger, but with it her, somehow she talked herself out of it. it. Even though I knew, I knew it was bullshit. I just again. Well, you, well, you were you weak. I, you,
0: your, your defenses were just down. Like it's not, uh, it's not being yeah, weak. Yeah, it's absolutely. just that she just knew exactly where to poke.
1: Yeah, that's that's true, and, and we'll we'll get that we'll get to a defining moment when she used that, which is I think was probably one of the most despicable parts uh, of it all. So, so I I knew that she's cheating on me. That that story is so bullshit. And she would just say, "Well, who who told you that? Who what do you why are you saying that? What do you know?" And I just say, "Hey, listen, I found this stuff." And like, "Oh, that was you know that was free." I'm like, "It's used. What are you talking about?" And like. Oh no, that's not, and I, somehow she got out of that conversation without me throwing her shit off the front door. I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know why, but I was just so scared. I, I was just so scared at that point. And, and that's where I got to what you talk about, like the walking zombie. There you go. And you know, and I, and I'm going to say this, I don't, I don't need any uh, sympathy or anything, but. Going forward in that mid-February for the next month and a half when everything, when I basically I was done, there was days that I didn't sleep, like not even 30, 30 minutes. Like I literally, I don't know how I functioned. I don't know because she was going out more and more at that point in time. Like it was getting so um, obvious, I, like yeah, I couldn't ignore it. Even a, 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 a someone who was an idiot like me, I couldn't ignore the obvious. And this was this was something I was embarrassed to doing, but not now. Is the best money I've ever spent. But the next day, I went to a private investigator. And I said, listen, uh, you know, and I was embarrassed. I, I remember pulling up to their office and I parked way down, you know, down the, the parking lot and I like snuck around the building so no one would see me. Uh, you know, I just, it was embarrassing, you know, like my life is so tragic that I have to do this, you know, because that's not, that's not what normal people in my mind, like this isn't, something that people should be doing, right? And, um, but I I met with a private investigator, and I said, hey, listen, there's something going wrong. I, I, You know, I need, you know, what, you know, I need you to follow her to see because she's not coming home at night. He's like, you know, I can tell you this. When you get to a point where you have to do that, you already know the truth. And I think most people would have thrown in the towel way before this. But for some reason it just
0: You needed that one last piece. You needed to see yeah. it. it Whatever that nice. Yes,
1: yeah, I did. And that was and that was the thing that put me over the hump. But yet it was it is burned in my mind forever. Um but I needed it. I needed that one last piece. That one last fix. I don't I don't know what you know, what, what I was looking for necessarily, but, cause I already knew the truth. I already knew what the answer was. I literally just had to see it for myself. So, they, uh, they put a tracker on her car and literally the first day they follow her in the morning, um, which made it really despicable because she would say, well, I, I wanna, I need to go to the library and do some studying or something like that. And I and she said, "Can you watch uh, watch our son and pick him up from school to cover for me? Because I need to like work on this stuff and study." And, and again, I'm like, "Of course, honey. I'll you know I'm willing to help out in any way I can." Literally, instead of going to the library, she goes down to some guy's house. Okay. And it's like really like like it, it didn't even take him thirty thirty minutes from the day they started until you know what have you mm-hmm. but then i wasn't convinced like i still wasn't convinced i'm thinking well maybe it's someone that she needs to study with and and you know like i just i couldn't i still wouldn't accept it i just wouldn't accept reality i was just so numb and just delusional i think you know just i wouldn't accept reality so so
0: what got you out
1: of um uh, well, what happened was they, they continued to follow her, um, through that week. And, um, the, the thing that made it scary was I would have been okay. And this sounds really sad, but I would have been okay if it was just the one person, which turned out to be like, a 20, 23 year old kid. Now we're 40, and he's a 23 year old kid. And. Um what would have made it feel better would have been if it was just one but it wasn't um there was that kid and then they followed her at night she would go to different bars almost like i i don't know it was almost like it was very pathological like like she was head, like head hunting or hunting down prey or I don't know what, how to explain it, but it was really odd. Like, like she would go to like different bars and meet another guy in the same night. Like it was something that I wouldn't even do when I was 21 and single. Like she was just like, had men lined up multiple and and going to different places to meet them. And um, so now I know. And I said, you know, just keep on following her for another week, um, you know, just so I can get hard evidence or whatever it is, because now I know it's over. Like, this is, I had to physically see it with my own eyes, which was the worst thing I should have done emotionally. But I had to have, that was the piece I was missing. And, uh, you know, again, she would lie about where she was and what she was doing, who she was with, you know, and she would say, I'm over here at this friend's and, and she she obviously wasn't because we we followed her the whole not we I didn't I was at home with the kids right you know and they're following her at three or four or five in the morning, um, but one of the most despicable things was that week she came to me and said hey i I'm going I'm going on a trip and now mind you she doesn't know that I know at this point in time and that was the worst because no one knew what I knew except me and this private investigator group. And I had to fake it. I was faking it the whole time because I didn't want her to know because I was getting my ducks in a row to get the hell out of there. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was just like planning my, my, I don't know what I was just planning to, because I knew that if I didn't have my ducks in a row, she would get me somehow, and I had to be prepared. I was prepared for my escape. If that's the right word. Right. Not just prepared for your escape.
0: Um, that if you were going to be going through a divorce, that you were going to have yeah. all the evidence possible at your de, at Because yeah, I
1: knew how good. She, yes, right, exactly, Brandon. I mean, I knew how good she was lying, twisting the truth. You know, you know, it, it would be so crazy. She would. She could. She might say, "Oh, that's not me. That's my." my twin sister that you never met. I mean, that's how how much she would stretch the truth and lie about everything. But the, the week of my birthday, she comes to me and says, hey, I'm going on a trip. Now, like, my birthday is on a Thursday, and she comes to me on a Monday, Tuesday, and, and I was like, what the hell are you talking about? What, you know, you just... You, we just found out you have a, a fourteen thousand dollar credit card, and you want to go on a trip? No way! You're crazy. Now, mind you, I know what she's doing. I know she's cheating on me with multiple guys at this point in time. It's just scary, you know. And uh but I'm faking it the whole time. I'm just faking it. She has no idea that I know. And honestly, I don't think she would even care, you know. You know, from that standpoint, but. And she, I said, where are you going? And she said, oh, I'm going to Puerto Rico. And I'm like, what? Why? By with who? Oh, I'm going by myself. Because, and this is where it got just just despicable, was she said, you are putting me under so much stress, and you're, you know, you're just stressing me out, and the kids, I just have to get away for a while. And I was like, no, you're not going to Puerto Rico. No, absolutely not. No way. You're, that is crazy. You're not going. And she, I'll never forget, she looked at me and said, if you, you want me to be a good wife and a, and a good mother, don't you? I need to go on this trip so I can be a good wife and mother for you. And I was like, "Are you?" she knew that was my weakness. She knew that I would say, "Of course, I want you to be a good mom. Of course, I want you to be a good mother." She knew that was my Achilles' heel, Um, and I was like, "I yes, of course, but I why would you? That's not safe. Can't you go to like Florida? You know, like can't? Why do you have to go out of the country to do this, right?" And and she just that that's the way. And she told her all of her family. That just really pissed me off because I know she's cheating on me at this time. She tells all of her family how stressed out she is. She told her she's having a breakdown. I'm putting all this pressure on her. And I'm just, and it, like, really painted me like I was some sort of controlling man, like, emotionally abu- abusive, just absolutely proje- or, like projecting the bullshit that she was doing onto me. And then telling her family about it. And I remember her sisters were like, Oh, yeah, you do. You need to get away. You, this is, you know, your marriage is not working out. Like, I can't, I don't know how you deal with him. And I was just like, I felt so helpless because how she, it was the complete opposite, you know, and I couldn't say anything, you know, and they probably wouldn't even believe me anyhow, right? So the week of my birthday, She packs up to fly to to Puerto Rico. And so, again, I'm like, I'm snooping, and I'm going through her suitcase. Now, the night before she leaves for Puerto Rico for a week with leaving me and the business and the kids to fend for herself, you know, she gave me like four or five day notice she was leaving. She went out. So instead of staying home with our family the night the night before she left, you know she leaves to go out and parties with her friends. And again, she went to a couple different bars, met up with one guy, and you know making out and the whole night. She leaves that and goes down to that twenty-two year old's house, comes back at five in the morning. So she like you know most people before you leave on a trip you want to spend time with your family because you're gone for a week and. Uh, you know, but not her. Now she left me and the kids high and drive. And she went out and had her the time of her life. And I knew at that point in time, like she has no interest in in the, our family or you know, you know, I, I'm projecting my good nature and like onto her, and I'm realizing that this person is bad. Uh, maybe even dangerous. I, I don't we've never had any physical issues in our relationship. But it was all emotional and mental, but this person's bad. Like, there's something really, really dark about this person that I've been married to for 15 fucking years. And I, there was a lot of red flags, but I just didn't notice it. So, so she, as I go through her suitcase, I find sexual oriented things in her bag, and I'm thinking, great. Uh, you know, she's not going down there to get away from us. Because there was a part of me was hoping that she was in this dark point of her life. She was going to get away to try to reevaluate her life to see if, what she wants. And I was kind of hoping that's what she was doing, is maybe to, to get out of get out of town, reevaluate what she's been doing, and having some remorse. Maybe I was hoping that she would have some remorse, and then she would come home, and then, you know, we could work it out somehow. So she packs up and leaves. I had the private investigators follow her, and uh, she didn't bring anyone with her on her trip, as she mentioned, but she met another guy, another guy on the trip. So now this is a third guy. Um, Literally within a week, week and a half, and this is getting, like, that's, this is getting insane. Like, this, for me to talk about this, it doesn't even seem real. Like, but that, it's embarrassing, I don't want to say it's embarrassing anymore. It was just my life. That's, it's, it's true. I wish it wasn't, but that, that was my life. So, as she's gone, I met attorneys, I had all the, all the divorce stuff ready to go. Like, I closed out bank accounts, so she's overseas. I'm, I'm literally, oh gosh, what a horrible time. Uh, I mean, I was doing everything to line myself up so when she got off the plane, I could hit a board, basically. And, uh, her father called me very upset. He's like, why would you allow your wife to go to Puerto Rico? And I said, well, why do you think? Now, I couldn't tell him, I didn't tell him what was going on, but I just got him thinking, you know. And I said, I didn't want her to go. She's the one. She demanded to go. And uh, he was, her father was really upset with her and me that like, I would allow her to go. Like, I can control another adult. You know, like, I guess I was supposed to lock her in a bedroom or something. I, I'm not sure what I was supposed to do. So when she got off the plane a week later, um had a wonderful trip obviously as well. She had a wonderful trip, she said. You know, had all these stories and photos. I, uh, that night, I had her parents um, take the kids because I said, I have to have a talk with her, a, a very serious talk, and I do not want the children in the house. I don't want them in the same zip code because I was a little concerned now what would happen. Again, we never had anything physical in our relationship, but I was taking an approach uh, the pain, I guess, what I was alluding to earlier—the pain of um, of what I was going through, the infidelity and the lying and the, the finances—now has has surpassed the pain of me being alone. And that was, and I, and what really put me over the top to say, you know, we're done—is our children. Because I did not want our children to grow up to think that was suitable behavior. I didn't want my son to look at his father, maybe this is an ego thing, but I didn't want him to look at his dad and say, Why would you? I didn't want them to do that to their spouse and think it's okay. It's not okay behavior. And I, I didn't want to model that to them, um, you know, and, and I wanted that cycle to be broken because that was kind of the, the issue with her family on her mom's side there's there was a string of of just uh, emotional psychological issues that the women have had and and I was done with it and I did not want I did not want that cycle to continue in our family and that's what really you know put me over the edge so when she got home I confronted her and it was she called me every word every cuss word i mean just how dare you fuck you to like what a shitty husband. Like you're controlling. I literally get home for one day and you do this to me. Fuck you. And I am crying again like a baby. And uh and I'm like I'm not debating this. You are, I have proof. What proof do you have? Like how are oh, you been following me? How dare you? You you're a stalker. You're fucking crazy. And I'm again like I'm on my knees. I don't I don't think I did literally but Emotionally begging her, this is our family. You, I'm literally 99% out the door. And again, and she, and and I just was thinking like, I was a probably a mess. I mean, if you looked at me, I probably was a mess. I'm a grown man. I'm crying and like, you know, the, our, our lives are on the line here. And instead of like having any empathy or any remorse, she did the complete opposite. She literally set me on fire to keep herself warm, you know? And I, uh, and I was just like, if you leave and, you know, she's like packing her stuff, putting on her shoes, cause she's leaving. She doesn't want to have this conversation. Right. Because I obviously I've, I've caught her, you know, in a trap basically. And, uh, she, um, so she basically, I said, if you walk out the door, if you leave and you don't have this conversation, I'm done. I'm done. And, uh, she basically said, fuck you, I'm of And she packed, she just grabbed some stuff and left. And I, and I, when that door shut, I knew like it, it's done. Like this, this is, that was D-Day for me. And, uh, so I gathered up my belongings and I went over to my brother's house that night. And I, 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 and at this time I was holding everything in and I didn't talk to anyone about it. And, and when I went to his house, I, I like, he was like, what the hell are you doing here? You know, cause now it's like nine at night, maybe and he's like, what's, what what's going on? Why are you here? Cause I don't normally just pop into his house at nine o'clock at night and I just break down and. I'd cry, but I slept, I actually slept that night. That was probably the first time I slept in about three three months. Like, literally slept more than an hour or two. It was relief. And uh, I, it was a huge relief. Absolutely a huge relief.
0: So now yeah. that it's over then, where are you now, and uh, where are you yeah. in the healing process?
1: Well, um, I... A few days went by, and basically we talked. Uh, I told her that you know she needs to leave. We we cannot be together um, because I you know you're not gonna because for her to be present, you know you know obviously we have four kids. We're not going no contact, but I was like you cannot be here. You're, you you got to leave. So we we've been so we've been separated. Um, I got a lot of grief because I didn't help her pack. I can tell you. <laughs> Uh, You know, uh, from that standpoint, but she did, she did move out and, uh, the day that she moved out was another relief. Um, so there was, you know, when you, so when she moved out and she wasn't in front of me parading around and her, you know, her underwear, you know what I'm saying? Like, just act like, even though she was going out partying that whole time between the time she got moved out, um... You know, she, it was just, it was horrible. I mean, she just acted like, okay, I'm single now. And she would go out, she would go out whenever she wanted. I stayed home with the kids and she just, every night she would go and spend the night. Now she was not coming home. She like just said, okay, marriage is over. I'm going to spend the night. And I, I, uh, and I remember she came to me during that time and, you know, was trying to like work it out. And I was like, absolutely not. You know, the night before you're literally spending the night at some guy's house and you come home the next day and trying to working it out, like leave. And uh so uh it's been several months. Um every day gets better. It really does. I I think you when as I look over I went to therapy uh and I focused, not the same guy, the same guy that I was with years ago. He he moved on, but I focused on someone who was like uh um, what we're going to say really was more holistic and dealt with like uh, PTSD and, and narcissistic, uh, narcissistic abuse. And so he got it, like he, he got it. Like it wasn't like I was trying to explain to him what was going on. Um, you know, so he's been a really good help. Um, and I think the biggest thing is, is really listening to podcasts, like, you know, uh, yours and uh, and YouTube and to understand because it really you know I think of it like a gun like that it gives you the ammunition to protect yourself because I can tell you she if I didn't fully understand the mindfuck that you know that I went through I would have definitely projected my good nature even though I went with through hell with this person my good nature onto this person. And I would underestimate what they're capable of. And I really, that helped me gray rock and just keep my distance from her. Um, and I, I think I can't, um, I, I can't stress that enough. You just, you gotta get them out of your life the best you can so you have time to heal, to try to regroup and just heal yourself without their poison. Because everything they say, there's an agenda. There's a, you know, in my case, it was just an angle, an agenda, and a greater picture. Even though it was short term, there was always like a there was always an agenda, and um, you have got to get yourself out of the situation. I mean, you really do. And um, there's good days and bad, for sure. How are you? How your kids adjusting? Well, um, you know that that's okay, I guess. You know, there's mom's house, ha- mom's house, and dad's house. Uh, it it does, because now that's where the manipulation has kind of geared, like transitioned Um, everything from, you know, the kids don't, you know, they wonder why like, why would mom leave? And uh, you know, mom said, oh, it's because uh, money, dad was you know, he was holding money from me. And uh, so that's why they think that all, and I don't tell them any different. Those are adult conversations. It's not for children. And uh some other things which i won't get into uh but there was a situation where my identity got stolen recently and i had to file a police report uh and you know uh my ex told my children that what you know that i called the police on her sat them down and said how much of a bully i was and um uh, And so my, then my, I've been very concerned about that because any, any way, you know, and you know, another example is, um, anytime I would do something nice, we would go somewhere, just me and the kids, you know, and, uh, she would say, well, he's just doing that. Uh, you know, because they're excited, you know, to do stuff with dad. We're doing a lot of fun things. And, and, uh, she, she would say, well, he's just doing that. So you would like him better. Than me, so don't don't like don't have fun with that because he's just trying to turn you guys against me. So now the kids are like weird if we do something fun because they're thinking I'm plotting against their mom, and uh, so it kind of ruins you know she's trying to ruin any good times that we have. You know that you know from that standpoint. So I I put our kids. I, I got a child therapist and. Um, um, so we've been going there, um, we have another, uh, and, and mom's involved with that. Um, now during the session, she's the mother of the year and talks, oh, you know, she also has a psychology degree as well to make, mm-hmm. makes the story funny, but, but, you know, just, oh yes, yes. Uh, you know, just, she's the mother of the year. But before we went to the, the therapy session, before we started it, She had to tell the kids, like, this isn't necessary. None of your other friends go, do they? You know, obviously, no, we don't think so. Well, why should you? This is just a waste of time. So at plants, there was some resentment from the kids going to this because mom made it out like they, you know, this was something that, you know, it's not necessary. Your dad's just making you guys go. And and that's not a fun place to go as a kid, you know, so... You know, but during therapy, my ex-wife, she would act, you know, she was just, you know, just 100% in, you know, uh, totally involved, but just, but would backdoor the whole process. Um, Because she was concerned, I think, why I wanted the kids to go. Because I think she was concerned that some things would arise that would make her look bad, you know, instead of worrying about the health of our children, um, you know, of the mental health of her children, it would like somehow things would come up that might jeopardize her facade, her fake, her fake facade of who she wants to project that she really is, and uh, and it's just it'll be a battle. It'll be a battle for many many years ahead for sure.
0: Well, Alex, I want to thank you for sharing your story. Oh, thank you. And being on the show today. We don't have a lot of males on the show. So, for our male listeners out there, uh, here is a representative. And because there's been me, there's been Pierre, I think we had David. I think that's all the males we've had on the show so far. So, yeah, I, uh, thank, I hope that helps. So, thank you for uh, reaching out because this. Uh, type of abuse doesn't always not well it just doesn't affect uh, women it also happens to men so thank you for reaching out and being part of the show oh, you're welcome and i hope that we stay in touch and get a follow-up yeah. on uh, what's going on with your life uh and everything in your situation in the future because i'm sure you're yeah, going to have some absolutely. lessons for everyone when it comes to yeah. <laughs> co-parenting and uh, all that yeah. stuff the more you you learn about it so uh, yeah absolutely yeah. so so yeah once well, I, get, I i help. So, yeah so yeah. once again, thank you, and for everyone out there who is listening, have a good night and That was my conversation with Alex and I just want to thank Alex for being on the show once again. I thought his story had a lot of good lessons, a lot of good sound bites. He was a really good storyteller. And I just want to thank him for being on the show. I think that his episode will resonate with a lot of people and will help a lot of people out there. And because his messages were very, very clear. So just again, thank you Alex for being on the show. And before I leave you, I just want to remind everyone about our fundraiser for Layla. Go to Narcissist Apocalypse, click on the fundraiser section, help send Layla to trauma therapy for a year. Also our Facebook group, if you want to be part of that group, it's facebook.com slash groups slash Narcissist Apocalypse. It is different from our Facebook page. This one is a closed group, this, this group, and you know you, have, you don't have to worry about other people reading your messages. So join our group today. It's a great place to be, a good group of people that are there. And lastly, if you want to read a letter to your narcissist, we have a voicemail recorder on our website to record. Go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. It's on the right side of the page always floating around hard to miss click on that button that says send voicemail send your voicemail away it records up to five minutes record as many times as you need we're accumulating these letters to have a volume two of that episode the quicker you send those in the quicker we can do that episode and now that is it be well and bye for now